Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. It was an absolute pleasure of mine to reconnect this week with Lawrence. Lawrence has type 1 diabetes and has also struggled with anorexia. We talk about the changes that have happened since we first spoke when it was called diabulimia and now how it's referred to as TIDE, type 1 diabetes with disordered eating. It was so, so lovely to catch up with Lawrence and really reflect on the changes that he's made personally as well as what medically has happened. I really, really hope that you enjoy this episode. Have a giggle along the way with us because it really was like catching up with an old friend. Oh my gosh. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I fully, fully can. What a treat. I don't normally wear these um, headphones with my little thingy jiggle on but I realized I went downstairs to get my airpods and I realized that some stupid idiot aka me had left them out of their case and they were dead so yeah listen happens to the best of us <laughs> how are you I feel like I've not seen you for so long I know it feels like a whole other world like <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm good I'm good you're engaged Boof. it fi- finally happened um yeah um yeah, that was a bit of a show. I mean, like, we're coming up to 11 years, so it kind of makes oh, wow. sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was a nice surprise for both of us. It was mainly a surprise for him, and he, he was one who did it. Oh, okay. Um, he's kind of like, oh, my God, we're doing this. Ah! <laughs> we don't have to if you don't want to, but okay. Oh, amazing. Well, congratulations. Yeah. That's very Thank exciting. You very Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, it's so good to how you doing. Yeah, all right. Um good yeah I feel like oh so much has happened um Mm -hmm. but equally things still feel the same but it's so nice to have you back on because I remember when we did our first one and we just did not stop chatting and then my mum listened to it and she was like you two were amazing together like you had such good conversations like she's like I want him to be my best friend that life (laughs) well and how amazing that also we are speaking on the eve of 1989 Taylor's version coming out as well oh god yeah what a a big deal yep absolutely um that is very exciting I feel in a weird mood because I just had therapy. Okay, okay. Um, But it was a good session. Um, Mm -hmm. It was more of like a chatty one rather than like a deep, intense one like last week. But I feel like, yeah, I've got quite a lot of energy. Um, Let's use it, babe. Let's do it. Absolutely. So let's get ourselves started. I want to ask you a question, actually. So I noticed that, well, you've called yourself Lawrence on here, but then your Instagram and your email address are long. And I was like, do I go, do I refer to you? No, that is, that is literally because I hate the name Lawrence, uh, because I just feel it, well, I kind of feel it gives away, I don't know, I don't know. Also, Lawrence Smith, because it sounds like Lauren Smith, nothing wrong with that, but like, it just kind of It's not you. made my childhood tricky but no it's just that it's my family nickname uh, it's, just, okay. it's what my, it's what my brother called me when we were kids because uh, he couldn't pronounce lawrence so fair enough so it's just been like i think like smith you kind of get told like oh there's so many smiths it's hard to say original so like, okay well i'll keep the smith bit but, but no i am i'm fully you know that's brilliant just a wee a wee pet name okay um, but yeah no lawrence is good lawrence larry whatever I'll, if it starts with an l i'll answer to it okay basically. i didn't know whether your name was like lawrence 
Ollie Michael Smith or something, and you. Wow. You then. It sounds like I should be on the X Factor. <laughs> Lawrence Ollie Mars. There we go. Yeah, you've got the blonde mm-hmm. hair as well, like Ollie Mars nowadays. So. Does yeah. he? I don't know. Yeah, fun fact. Um, I don't know about Ollie was, Mars. About Ollie Mars and me. Yeah. Um, oh. No, no. Sadly, nothing fun. I slept on the street to meet Ollie Mars. I was a I was a mm-hmm. big fan. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Swiftly moving on. Um, that's always my fun fact. You know, when you have to do like a. Um, Icebreaker thing. Icebreaker thing at work. I'm, I always say I slept on the street to um, meet Ali Mers, and I don't know whether that's maybe the right tone or yeah, not. Yeah, it's bold. It is very yeah. bold. People Hello. never guess it's me, though, so it's. Mm-hmm. I think that shows I've developed as a person. Mm hmm. <laughs> mm hmm. No, sure. Okay. So, what we're here today, today we are here together because November, which is in a few days, is Diabetes Awareness Month, Mm -hmm. and you did a really cool presentation at a conference the other day, which I saw, and I thought, why not get together? Um, Yeah. Maybe a couple of years on, actually, and talk about... Let's not, yeah, let's not, yeah. (laughs) Talk about... Time is um, meaningless. Talk about diabetes and eating disorders and all of that sort of thing. So... Um, do you want to start by, uh, actually, I don't know how to start this because I want to say the word, but you've told me that that's not mm. now how we, what we refer to it as. So maybe we could talk about that first of like the term yeah. that we used to use and that what mm. we use now and what that is. Totally. Cool. Yeah. So I think, um, well, first of all, when I was diagnosed with blank, um, I don't really think there was a word. I think it was kind of like, sure. oh, that's abnormal. Um, uh, and we can go into that in the fact that oh, I didn't fit the main categorization of eating disorder. Therefore, I felt like I didn't have one or I, I felt like I was cheating at having an eating disorder because I didn't fit into the into the labels. But um, so, yes, yeah, so it uh, was previously known and maybe in some communities and, and some uh, some areas is still known as diabulimia. I personally feel that that kind of um, makes it sound like a word pun. Mm-hmm. Um, not say not say obviously, obviously it's not funny, but I think in some ways it makes it kind of catchy, which is maybe good, you know, it kind of sticks in the brain. Um, but in the same way that when I was diagnosed with anorexia, the, there's a lot of terms of like manorexia going around, and I was kind of kind of just it, I felt like it just kind of devalued my experience. Um, so calling it diabulimia as well, I knew that at the time I wasn't binging and purging which are the the cornerstones of bulimia nervosa so then I was kind of like well no it's not that it, it, it it's its own thing um and I think kind of trying to make it sound like I don't know a line in a limerick uh kind of made it yeah it, it just devalued um my experience so then it, and it's you know it sounds a wee bit jokey um and obviously it's very serious mm-hmm. um so then in the past couple of years, um, then it started to pop up uh, TIDE, uh, so T1DE, the stand for type 1 diabetes with disordered eating. Uh, and I think in some ways, obviously, yes, that's also a catchy slogan title, TIDE, um, you know, but I think it just, yeah, it, it, it makes it stand on its own merit as opposed to sounding like it's kind of like a a, a diminutive version of another more established eating disorder you know mm-hmm. um and i think yeah like as i say the upon diagnosis 
because I wasn't um, going into full. I can never remember how much how much detail do you want me to go into? Like, I don't want to do anything triggering. I don't want to. My perspective of this is is we're here to listen to your story, mm-hmm. and we will put in the show notes what we discuss mm-hmm. and. Um, if as long as you don't say like particular numbers sure, or things totally, like that, totally. I think yeah. people will recognize that behaviors will be discussed on this podcast. Um, for sure. And this might be a harsh thing to say, but for me and my recovery, when I have listened to something and I found it triggering, that's been a really important moment for me to reflect on why that's triggering. Because when you go out mm-hmm. into society, things will trigger you and you need to yeah. pause and you need to reflect on that. So, yeah. yeah, I think avoid numbers, but totally in general terms, like pretty open to discuss yeah. what's going on or what went yeah. on for you i mean we can keep that bit in because discussing numbers let's not talk about numbers in diabetes your life is governed by numbers yeah and um, so the you know the in- inherent irony is right there and um you know within yeah within the eating disorder community let's get away from perfection let's get away from idealized versions of things let's get away from numbers let's get away from paying too much attention on certain aspects of it whereas when you know let's not read the food labels um but but when you in the diabetic side of things you do need to read the food labels because you need to know how much how many units you're injecting Uh, so it's kind of hard to hold up a packet of crisps and put your finger over the calories but make sure you can read the carbs uh you know so Mm -hmm. it's uh, inherently there is just kind of a confusion there and um yeah so kind of trying to trying to adapt a model that honors both the diabetes and the eating disorder and doesn't kind of neglect one for the other um and uh yeah it's a, it's a it's a tricky it's quite a quite a quagmire of, of things um so i don't i don't i'm not jealous of people who are trying to um get to the bottom of it because it's mm-hmm. in some ways it's so self-evident you have a you have this massive preoccupation with food from the get-go um, I mean, my experience is I was diagnosed with type one when I was three. So for me, I've just always had it. Um, but that means from three years old, at least, I viewed food as medicine or I viewed I had just had a distorted relationship to food. And that's too much. That's not enough. Um, and that's within the, the confines of childhood and when you're being um, you know, parented and looked after. But then once you hit adolescence and you're given the keys to your own car, I kind of crashed it um just because i think i just didn't really know i think I, the relationship just went from being you know just kind of a, a responsibility to look after my levels and 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 food intake so then it just became this real burden um and i think so just and this and and i try and like not make it too um glum and stuff um because as i said my my brother's type 1 diabetic and he doesn't. He hasn't gone through the the food issues I've had. So it's not to say, oh, you're going to have type one diabetes from an early age. Therefore, this is going to happen. Of course not. In, in the same way that other eating disorders, you know, there's, there's no particular rhyme or reason why why people. Um, but I think it's just it's good to have the awareness that someone with diabetes might have a different relationship to foods than than those around them. Um, so yeah, I think you know from what you said there it it like you said it's it almost um 
it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense because mm-hmm. you're you're having to be fixated about what's going into your body and the impact that that's having and mm-hmm. the components that that's made up of. Um, and but it's interesting that your brother is also a type one diabetic and and hasn't had those difficulties with food. And I was just interested when you were saying there about you saw food as medicine. Mm. And like, it's obviously, there's no clear up picture as to why these things develop. But was it for you? And it could be both. Do you think that kind of the obsession you had to have around food was what led to the eating disorder? Or was it like, okay, food is medicine. And like, I don't want to kind of keep myself healthy. Therefore, food is the way that I can also, like, make myself poorly. Totally. I think Maybe less an obsession, but more of a just a, a heightened focus. Mm-hmm. There was no, um, like easy lazy meal. You know, you don't just have something and then that's it gone. You're, you're kind of always lo- you're looking in in your rearview mirror the whole time. What did I just eat, and what am I going to eat next? So, and for some people that might just be just par for the course. But I think if someone is predisposed to having an unhealthy relationship um with with their bodies or or with um with with uh, pressures like that um that can easily set set things off onto a, quite a dangerous spiral um so less of an obsession of yeah i think just more you're just so keenly aware of food and mm. um, so it takes on an inflated presence in your life so i think if you then get to this crossroads where um you have a negative relationship with food it, it, i think it's quite easy to tip tip over into um another another um side of things but um uh yeah and i think in terms of the food being the medicine as well like i think you identify like i've tried very hard over the past couple of years to to not use the words like i'm diabetic or i'm anorexic or or xyz because i think the the power of, of that terminology suggests that doesn't leave room for anything else so if i say i am diabetic and therefore that's all i am now of course that's not that doesn't have to be the case but it at a certain time if you're not feeling too great about yourself you you might believe that that rationale so i've tried to move away from i am diabetic and move more to i have diabetes and i have issues with food and and i i have depression not i am depressed uh, yes i am obviously in a constant state of being diabetic that that's not going away anytime soon but i just i think it's so important to to take away the power from it and um, because i think what was happening at a time when i was feeling really bad about myself is i then wanted to punish the diabetes and kind of i resented it so so much and i hated it and but then the, my diabetes is a part of myself so therefore the hatred then gets turned on me and uh so i think it's yeah i think i'm just uh, i'm trying trying to distance and have a health a healthy a healthier relationship with things and just um try to move away from like a totalitarian view of this is who i am because in the in the same way with an eating disorder i i didn't i didn't like to be to think of myself as being one thing because then it suggested i was never going to recover mm-hmm um and and it becoming your whole identity you know so um yeah it's, it's a it's a tricky thing but i think um yeah i very much used and abused uh, the diabetes and because i was self-harming and depressed here was quite a um 
quite a powerful tool and I had it at my disposal right at my fingertips yeah um so it's kind of like what well, was kind of it it made total sense to me to to use it in in, in a way that that was really negative uh, towards myself um and uh yeah it's all it's all yeah it's all mixed up in there isn't it I really like what you were saying about the sort of label thing because I think and this may come across as um controversial but I think as soon as we give ourselves the labels like I am anorexic or I am diabetic like it's no you're like yes you are (laughs) but that's not the only part of you and I think as soon as it becomes a label it Mm -hmm. it then kind of prevents you almost from being all the other things that you are um Mm -hmm. and yeah I think that can be really damaging and you you see it a lot with other conditions as well that people aren't gonna recover from you know with mental health conditions I think people's argument is you know you're you're hopefully going to recover from your anorexia so don't wrap yourself up in it as an identity Mm -hmm. but even something like diabetes that is going to be with you for your life I think just to kind of minimize yourself to one diagnostic or even if it's couple of diagnostics that you have like you're so much more than those medical conditions and mm-hmm. I think you can really get yourself trapped in just like labeling yourself in that way rather than you know being the friend or the son or the you know fiance or whatever you are mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there's so much more and I think for me that's what recovery so far has been is actually unpicking all those bits about me that I was hiding before because it was just I'm anorexic and everything else falls below that because that was like the priority for me was to fulfill that yeah I, I think I also like um at a time when you know I'm anorexic or I'm, I'm diabetic or I'm um I mean let's say tied and diabolemia I didn't I wasn't aware of the term at the time but therefore I kind of created this other this almost alter ego mm. and anything that was bad in my life I was attributing to the diabetes and to the anorexia when I was doing the things, you know, it, it was me as well, you know, but I, I kind of, um, it just became this kind of magnet for, for the wrong things happening in life. And, you know, if I was failing at my exams or if I was being not a good friend or not a it's good grandson, excuse. yeah, I could be like, well, I'm actually not very well at the moment. So that's why. Yeah. So that's actually, it's actually not my fault. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it became so easy to kind of use it as a scapegoat. But then at points, then the alter ego of the of the illness sometimes would eclipse me, the individual. Mm. And it was, I think, I guess, a case of trying to take the power back from it, because as is well documented, it is so alluring, the power of an eating disorder. And it's so powerful. So the idea of, of moving away from it was terrifying. Like, I, I, I didn't, <laughs> I'm saying I didn't want to. I was so um, desperate for a diagnosis, and I think so. So when we're talking about labels, um, it's, it's, I think it's important maybe just to, to validate. They, they can be useful to validate the experience that, some, that the individual is going through because I was out there being like, I don't know what the hell is wrong with me, um, and because I was, you know, googling like signs of anorexia and I was like I think I, I meet some of these but I don't meet all the criteria so therefore am I do I have an eating disorder maybe I'm fine maybe I'm just maybe it's me maybe I'm wrong mm-hmm. uh, and you hear of you know treatment for, for, 
bird certain eating disorders, I was like, well, I, I don't think I fit in those boxes, so therefore maybe I'm not going to get better. You know, so the idea, that's kind of why it's just been the past couple of years, really, since like I spoke to you last and since just kind of, I don't know, doing stuff on social media, whatever, even if it's just a wee thing, like I think I've spent so long hiding the diabetes and hiding the eating disorder and hiding uh, mental health stuff. Um, just to have like one sliver of recognition, I'm like, oh my god, that's huge! Like back then, I can I can just think of young Lawrence, and he was so alone, and um, not just in like his social circle and stuff, but it, it felt like in society because I was like, I'm not even in a textbook. The thing that the thing that is ruining my life right now isn't recognised by the medical community. Mm. Um, so yeah, so the fact, sorry, taking it right the way back, uh, the fact that I spoke at this conference. Um, uh, a, a few uh, a few days back, like the fact that there is a national convention on the thing that w- made me like catatonic on the floor as a teenager. I'm like, this is so huge, and it's kind of in some ways. I'm the fact I'm even talking to you right now kind of gets me a bit emotional. Like I'm um like I'm so happy for myself that that this door is open. Because it just felt for so many years I was completely alone, and so to, I think to know that there are people out there who recognise this and can empathise and um, can build, and I love the I love the fact that there are people who might disagree with me because they're like, actually, no, my experience of this of this illness is different. I'm like, cool, that's yeah. so cool that there's more than me, mm-hmm. um, like, uh, and that it gets recognised as not a niche topic because you know rates of diabetes are um, they're high uh, and it's, it's a um again i can only speak from the type one side of things um but i think and i i mean i personally don't you know um i i am male but that's not like i think that's maybe like the, the ninth most important thing about me or the thing i care about but i think maybe the fact that i am a guy and i'm talking about eating disorders there there's still a feel stigma stigmatization about that uh, in, in the media and you know, you only get to uh, front a, a documentary about this on BBC Three if you happen to also have been on Strictly or something. You know, like I think it, it devalues folks like you and me, like like normal people. Um, so I, I understand why broadcasters have to do what they do to to, to get eyes eyes on the thing, um, on on and, and and focus on on the illnesses and stuff and raise awareness. Um, I think there's so much power in 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 what the individual can do, um. And yeah, I think just be be honest with their own experience and, and value it because you know the people around you see it in you and, and they value it. They, they they want you to get you know they they I think I might have gone off on a tangent. I'm not quite sure. I think the moment I started talking about Strictly, I was like, oh damn, I'm really looking forward to Strictly this week. I love it. I love it so much, and I don't care. And I don't care. Who knows? I no. love Strictly. Well, my mum will be sat right next to you because she bloody loves it as well. Good. But I think I'm just so happy that you know you feel as though there's other people that have not happy that other people are experiencing the same thing as you sure. you know i'm not going to wish that on anybody yeah. um but i think when you're in that in that moment you do feel so isolated in your experience mm-hmm. and it can be really tough when it's like that because you know you're given this diagnosis and it's like that doesn't that doesn't fit for me that doesn't align with what i feel or the things that are going on and i guess you then had a double whammy of like you know, I'm I'm so confused as to what this eating disorder 
is it even an eating disorder thing is mm-hmm. because I've been given this anorexia diagnosis. It doesn't work. Then along comes this label of diabulimia. But it's like, I mean, I remember when I was doing my master's and um, the, I sort of heard of the term diabulimia, but not massively. And I remember my lecturer saying it and I was just like, mm. oh, OK, so that's when people with diabetes binge and purge. Um, and he was like, no, 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 like they you know they don't use their insulin or Mm. there's so many different things that um kind of align with it and I was just like well that doesn't make any sense um but then I guess my question for you and you may not know but like you mentioned like talking to other people with different experiences like is diabulimia tied as we're Mm -hmm. as it's being referred to now is it as simple as just saying, you know, it's because I think that for me, the general rhetoric of what it is, is it's people that have diabetes and therefore they don't use their medication in order to regulate their um, glucose levels and things, which I guess if you think about it is sort of bulimia because bulimia, you know, the purging behavior can be misuse of medication. Mm-hmm. But is it as simple as that? Or is it, you know, could it just be that somebody has diabetes, but they're also restricting their food intake or they have diabetes, but they're binging? Like, is it, mm-hmm. does it cross over to all the eating disorders and it's just like eating disorder with diabetes or is it mm-hmm. specific behaviors with diabetes? It's such a good question because it's yeah it's kind of can you be and this is a bad analogy I was like can you be the chicken without being the egg I don't know but like <laughs> but um, that's that's not not correct um <laughs> I think I think basically I think I feel if you're in like a diabetic free fall or something like that if you're if you have a an adversarial relationship with your diabetes uh all all tick 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 to everything you just said in a way like like it's hard for for other behaviors to not be impacted i think i think i think the the diagnosis would come from well what is driving this is it is it is it diabetes mismanagement or is it um when when does it go from being diabetes mismanagement to, to going into an eating disorder and that you can maybe apply that from other eating disorder practices as well like when does it go from being something that is like just like slight disorder to into like this is a full-blown um diagnosable issue um i think what was so powerful for me a couple of years back actually um because as i say diagnosed in the early 90s um as a kid i didn't didn't really have that much understanding or or like face-to-face time on my own with, with the doctors um but as an adult to go in for my checkups and uh, one of the doctors asked me how you doing and and I was like oh yeah sorry if I've said this story before but like I was like oh yeah totally fine but like my, my train was late but whatever and he's like no no I just meant like how are you how are you feeling I was like, oh my god someone's actually someone in my diabetes clinic is asking me about my emotions because it's so easy to go into the clinic and personally feel like a bad diabetic quote unquote because I'm, like, I'm feeling judged and they're going to look through my levels. They're going to look at like, why do you do that? What's going on here? That, that doesn't look good. You need to look out for this and blah, 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 blah. And I think for someone to just kind of sit me down and be like, like we recognize that this has the, 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 the they're coining it a diabetes burnout. Like we understand that living with a chronic condition for such a long time can lead to just fatigue and, and um, people kind of, really struggling um and you know they 
there, there's massive correlations, as we say, between diabetes and eating disorders. And I think in terms of like uh, disagreeing with folks, I think sometimes it's the, um, yeah, it's the rationale behind it. Because I think some folks, um, they say they're in adolescence and they get diagnosed. One of the big warning signs of diabetes is can be weight loss. And I think then they then have the weight loss, then they get diagnosed with diabetes. And then once they start to inject and balance out the levels, they start to naturally put weight back on. So then they view, oh, the diabetes is directly associated with weight. Um, and therefore, and, and some people then develop a relationship with their insulin um, in a way that they view the insulin as a bad. And you know, if I'm injecting insulin, it's like I'm injecting weight on, on myself. Yeah. Um, I'm very lucky in that that was not my experience. And I think that is because of an early diagnosis when, when I was three. You know, I didn't, I, I didn't, that wasn't a, a concern of mine at, at three years old, you know. Um, but I think I definitely, whether or not I knew it, was suffering from the, the burnout side of things. Because by the time I'm 15, I've been diabetic for the majority of my life. Mm. Um, and people who are diagnosed later they can maybe compare compare contrast their experiences from when they they didn't have diabetes whereas i can't remember life without it um so then i would then get jealous of those around me and so it's kind of there's a lot of like i don't know there's negativity swirling around it and and, um i mean i i yeah I, i was struggling as well with like fears of um having a hypo um when your sugars are running too low so i was exercising and then having a hypo so therefore would then need to have sugar after exercising which to me just didn't make any sense i'm like well then i'm just that was all for not you know uh and then so then i would abuse my my levels so that when i when i did exercise i didn't drop down as drastically low um and then not then yeah not realizing that the the the, the ramifications that that can have, um, and um, complete side note I went to see the new Martin Scorsese film the other day and if we're talking about triggers there's there's a whole plot in, in it about diabetes and I was like oh god I was not expecting that um, and then you just see these people um, really poorly on screen uh, and so it's kind of and it's three and a half hours long which is long enough um to, to sit there film without being triggered like and and you weren't expecting when it was because it wasn't a massive plot point but it was very present um but and i i don't know in some ways i was like well this is quite allegorical in a way of like life is long and when you don't when you least expect it you're gonna get smacked in the face by someone taking insulin um and what what's so interesting is like some days your diabetes much the same as your eating disorder can just be there existing in the background not really doing much and then some days it is all you can focus on mm-hmm. and i think when you feel god life's hard enough without this added baggage which i did nothing to deserve you know and then it, it just it becomes this big holistic pile of um, because of uh, your genes and what you're going through, it's 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 a lot to to, to contend with. Um, I have no idea if I answered your question. I can't even remember what my question was. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, well, but I mean, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, cool. Okay. Because <laughs> because my my next question, um, from what you've just said, um, 
and this is a bit of a structured question, but I, I kind of just, I want to understand it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, is, you know, you said about you started like abusing your insulin, um, mm. you know, playing with it so that it didn't drop so low when you were exercising and stuff. And from what we've spoken about so far, it sounds like not having your insulin kind of, you know, causes weight loss. Mm-hmm what else happens when you don't mm-hmm. have your insulin because you know i'm pretty sure it's 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 more than they're just trying to maintain your weight oh for sure like uh you feel like your eyeballs are on fire um like extreme lethargy um uh, frequent urination which is part of the weight loss because the fatty acids break down and then um your your body tries to get rid of it as, as quickly as it can i again have been so fortunate in that i've never I personally have not got to the stage where um, that there is hospitalization as a result because people go into diabetic ketoacidosis, which is basically your blood turns into acid. Um, it has, and this is a tricky thing as well, like actions I undertook as a 15-year-old or something might come to bite me on the ass in my 50s. Um, so organ damage uh, with like eyes and kidneys and feet uh, it's anything with like with, with blood vessel um issues um so yeah so i mean yeah I, it's hard also to, to distance it from also i was also tired because i wasn't eating like i yeah. also you know had anorexia so it's kind of um it, it's hard to to parse that out but yeah i remember yeah, I just like failed all my exams and um I wasn't one of those high achieving people with an eating disorder. Um actually that's quite worth saying because anytime I read a book it always says like like yeah, typical people with eating disorders are very high achieving and I was like, I'm not even that. Oh my god. Like <laughs> um I'm really screwing this up. But um yeah, I remember like there's one teacher who's just like, I didn't call on you the entire year because you're basically you looked unconscious. I was like, cool, thanks wow. for the heads up. Um, but thanks just, for doing um, something about that. Yeah, totally cool, totally cool. Um, but yeah, like your your concentration goes completely out of whack. Um, I guess you'll be standing there talking to someone, but your body is going through the absolute ringer mm. because it's trying to like figure out, okay, what battle am I fighting right now and how do I expel all this, um, all this excess? Um, and, and I think that's what it, it can be so easily. Maybe this is part of why I didn't like the time term diabulimia, because I was like, you're making kind of a, a punny word on a, on a disease that is already kind of taken, not massively seriously because, yeah. because we don't have an inhaler or we don't have, we do have obviously insulin and stuff, but like a lot of people's understanding of diabetes is you can have a Twix and that, that's that's your pill i'm like yeah but you don't understand why i'm having the twix i'm having the twix because i can't feel my legs i think people also when they think about diabetes they think of type 2 they often people just like assume it's because of like your lifestyle choices and things like that not type 1 totally and that yeah i mean this is so funny even though i'm you know an advocate for this i keep forgetting things that are so obvious like that but yeah you know you say oh, I'm, I'm, i have diabetes yeah the, the vast majority of folks it, it is type 2 um so therefore they then make an assumption about you oh therefore you have type 2 diabetes therefore and then like so then and then whether or not this was uh, corrected me to do so i then 
wanted to disavow people's opinion that, that I was overweight or that I was indulgent or that I was excessive or it was my fault, it was my lifestyle. And I kind of want to be like, no, no, it's not my fault. It's the diabetes and I was born I was born with this. So therefore I hate it. Like it's not my fault, it's its fault. Um, and trying to trying to distance myself from it. And um, so and I kind of thought, yeah, well, if I'm skeletal, then no one can think it's type two. Yeah. Um, which then I think is also then kind of again giving a bit too much power to the opinions of others when it was my internal sadness that was the driving force behind behind the the, yeah. the disorder. Um, oh, it's. Uh, but I think it's a, I think that in itself is such a. I'm speaking from my perspective mm-hmm. here, but um, like for me, the the smaller I made myself, the more people would recognise that something inside was going on because I couldn't. Mm-hmm sort of vocalize it mm-hmm. and when you were saying earlier um and I hope this doesn't come across in in the wrong way this is I would say like the the worst part about an eating disorder is how much it kind of distorts your thoughts um about you but when I was like at the depth of um struggling you know it was very much I wanted to make myself as ill as possible and I, I don't know why like it's not mm-hmm. you know people say like oh you know you know you wanted to sabotage yourself or you wanted people to see you as ill like for me it wasn't that it was I just wanted to reach that point and almost when you were talking then about um you know being hospitalized and your blood turning to acid and stuff like that and I think for somebody that's deep in an eating disorder that would be a goal like you know oh, yeah. a yeah. lot of people it's you know it it's a slow decline and when mm-hmm. people say like you know I remember my mum saying like you're going to be put in hospital and you could die from this and I was like yeah okay cool that's that's kind of what I'm hoping that's, for that, yeah 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 totally um, so it's it's a really like it's a very difficult concept because people can sit here and tell you like oh these are the consequences of an eating disorder and it's like yeah no like I know what they are and that's mm-hmm. almost what I'm aiming for. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how you flipped. I mean, I'm assuming that you, you flipped that mm-hmm. as to kind of, I, I don't want that hospitalization anymore. Yeah. I think that's again, you're good at this. You are. Um, <laughs> and Do you think I've got I, better in the two years? I think so. Yeah. I think it's from all that strictly that your mum watches. Um, <laughs> I, um, yeah t- you're, you're so right like as I say I was desperate for uh, recognition and legitimate legitimization of what I was going through um and yeah these these checkpoints I was desperate to hit because then I was like well maybe now I'll be successful at this and you know th- then I'll be recognized as being successful at that and um I think in terms of the the flip as it were getting out of that mindset I don't know. I mean, wh- what is the thing? I think down the entirety of my time in the mental health care, um, be it outpatient, inpatient, what have you, the diabetes was secondary. Mm-hmm. And even though it was viewed as, oh, this is an important thing on Lawrence's checklist, um, in a way that I am not judging anyone for this, that the services were not there for them to be adequately prepared to deal with it. The irony that, or not the irony, but it was my diabetic care team that went, I think you've got an eating disorder, mate. Because I think they work within a remit of people with diabetes. So when they see someone with diabetes 
starting to really go outside the, the lines of what's expected. They went, oh, something else is happening here. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it might be an eating disorder. Right, let's then, and then through my through the diabetic care team, that then got the ball rolling in terms of um, psychiatric help. Whereas in a mental health facility, they're dealing with so many things. And then they're like, oh, God, now I need to read a textbook about diabetes too? Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. Like, um, they were not, they, they, I think they were prepared to deal with eating disorders, depression, self-harm, X, Y, Z. But the diabetes just seemed like this whole other thing. And um, I guess it didn't need to be diabetes. It could be a chronic illness. Like, that, that has a, a, a debilitating factor on, on some folks. But for something that is so intrinsically linked to food, um, it was very, very important that it got nipped in the bud, and it didn't. Uh, so that, therefore, the bud bloomed. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And um, the uh, space then was uh, really. Yeah, I heard like... what I said, and I was like, oh, I didn't didn't like that one. Scratch that, like that one. That <laughs> one. Um, but um, yeah, I think what was then not good was that I was obviously in dire straits to the point that I was needing medical intervention um mental health uh, side of things I desperately needed help and yet I could see in the eyes of those who were helping me they did not know what I was talking about mm-hmm. and I'm like oh no I need I need you guys to be better than me and <laughs> Because otherwise, I'm I'm leading the, the session, and I, I'm a mental um, patient. <laughs> I, ca- I can't be I can't be held responsible for this. Um, so I learned to then not talk about my diabetes, which is the, the you know intrinsically linked to what was wrong with me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's just easier if I just say anorexia because they know how to deal with that. So I think I I stunted my development um, into being um, quote unquote recovered because I d- I don't think the the means were there for 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 me to get better within that system. So I, I've attributed a, yes intervention therapeutic and 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 and, and otherwise intervention, uh, but also time. Like, and I know that's such a hard thing to say at points when you feel you don't have it, um, you don't have the time or you don't, you know, have the luxury of that or of waiting things out. And especially when feel, things feel particularly bad and um, sad, it's hard to imagine a life past the, 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 the disorder. I, as I say, I couldn't imagine doing what I'm doing right now, um, chatting with you so openly about, about this stuff during, during the height of it. Um, but it just took, yeah, just a wee bit of life and time. Um, and maybe figuring out who I was because I think it both the eating disorder and the diabetes I think stole a lot of my childhood and a lot of my development years um so I didn't really know who I was who Lawrence was um and I think then moving through the world as me an individual with the diabetes obviously with the disordered eating there but them not being the the the, the leading characters they were more the supporting cast in my life you know um that meant that I got to kind of come to the surface and it meant that I got to kind of go oh I value this I, I don't really like need that so I'm going to jettison that I kind of like a bit more of that you know and I, I then got to to choose 
what's important to me as opposed to the disorder the disorder and the diabetes um dictating that um how's that for a pull quote um but uh yeah so that's kind of that's that's the main things really but um yeah i think having i don't know having folks who are a wee bit switched on and it's not in my nature to be ballsy uh, and so i i couldn't you know tell a medical practitioner you should know better whatever but i think maybe it comes from the patient to be a patient's advocate to to kind of talk openly about this stuff like okay maybe you don't know who to who to send me to but or, or you don't know how, how to help me but maybe you know who, who could help me um i think yeah I, I was yeah i was trying to like please other people so much that i was just kind of i was help, i was hurting myself um uh, so i think being honest with myself of this is what the situation is um and and by legitimizing my process then that then legitimizes my pain and my struggles and they were legitimate um and um maybe just because the system doesn't think they are uh, or as legit legitimate as others you you the individual know how important something is to you the individual um so hopefully with work and um last year i went down and spoke at parliament can you believe what bloody hell uh, i know it was a very warm day and i was very sweaty um but it was a parliamentary inquiry into this subject into tide which is mad um so hopefully yeah. that it will be by the time that this comes out maybe uh, that might have hopefully been uh uh published i don't know in what form it's going to take but i think just the more people who are talking about it the more it legitimizes it for the people who are going through it because it's as i say it's very isolating so to know that there are other folks out there who are going through it or have gone through it um is is hugely powerful i really do believe that and um it was at this parliamentary inquiry where someone mentioned a hypo and i've done lots of peer support group and lived experience panels and stuff even in those i just don't really talk about the diabetes because it's like well then i have to explain to all these people what xyz at this parliamentary inquiry someone mentioned hypos and i was instinctively going to be like uh hypo is like that's like when your blood sugar is whatever and i was like oh i do not need to do that in this room huh and like, i was like it just kind of hit me like these are the people i've been looking for mm -hmm. people like me we don't have a whatsapp group or anything like we're not chatting and i don't know where they are now and or like maybe I have some of them on, on, on instagram and stuff but just there's a little community out there and um it's just finding that support where you where you can find it and obviously positive good healthy support that is so important um but just recognition i think i think it's recognition and legitimization of, of what you're going through um yeah. i think um that sounds fantastic and it's lovely as well that you are able to speak about your experience because I can imagine that there will be lots of people out there that will be like oh, I've got diabetes I struggle with my eating I'm really not sure what's going on and I feel like I you know failing in all of these areas and then they'll hear you say this is what I'm going through and they will then feel connected to somebody so that's well, incredible yeah. that you can Thank do that you. but I also think that what you said there about positive support is so important and it it feels important for me to to connect people with 
to connect with people that understand you like it doesn't have to necessarily be the same same eating disorder um no. I th- and I think you know I was gonna ask you about like you know do you see tide as something that being something that you can recover from because obviously diabetes is a as a lifelong condition but when you were speaking then I was like personally for me and, and it may be different for everybody I I don't I think that recovery is possible in terms of you can live a life where day to day you're not encapsulated by your eating disorder and it's not limiting you and things like that. But I'm really glad that I've been able to connect with people and find a community so that when I do have a little stumble, I can I can chat to them and talk it through and reach out to people that understand rather than falling down the trap of the eating disorder. And I think that's the same with the kind of support that you've now got is yes, it may be that, you know, one day you're you doing your insulin and you think oh god should I go back down that route or something triggers you like mm-hmm. watching that mm-hmm. film the other day you've now got people that you can talk to about that rather than it just being held inside and then it becoming such a bigger thing than what it would do now because you can mm-hmm. talk about it talk about how it's impacted you do things that help you to kind of get rid of those feelings and move on with your life and you know be happy and be healthy and I think ultimately mm. that's what we're all hoping for in recovery is to hit those roadblocks but be able to bounce back and carry on without falling into a relapse totally I think that's yeah yeah totally yeah I co-sign that 100% I think during illness I, I was desperate to find other people who had an eating disorder because it felt like we had this like dirty little secret together and yeah. you know and 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 conspiratorial almost and um yeah that, that's you know a discussion for another time but i think it's this idea of of a healthy community and um i think yeah just just to know that because i'm aware that you know it it takes guts to do what we're doing right now to be talking so openly and frankly about these things but um it's kind of normalized for me you don't know about for you because i'm yeah. kind of like well it is my life so yeah and you know, i've kind of got a big mouth anyway so like i might as well be chatting about things, and i love but... a chat so yeah totally 100 <laughs> percent um is this thing on um you actually uh, panicked me then i was like oh my god did i press record oh my god yeah yeah um i'll I'll just say it all over again um (laughs) yeah i wouldn't want anyone who's kind of who might be listening to this to to be like oh god i can't even talk about it like i i can't you know and it's like it has taken a we're two individuals this these might just be our personalities it might not be the person listening um but also we've been doing this for a wee while um I'm I'm older than my years uh, and you know and, and as I say I've had time with this I'm not in I'm not in the throes of it I'm not in its grasp right now and I'm very fortunate for that and I can't believe that that that's the case because at times it, I didn't think that would be possible so I'm almost I'm celebrating these achievements and stuff uh, so I wouldn't want anyone sitting at home to feel like you know bad that they, that they can't talk as openly as us it, like it might come one day hopefully it will come through um but um oh god i'm talking about ourselves and i've forgotten what the point was again (laughs) but i also think if that day doesn't come that's Mm -hmm. also okay i think if that day you know Mm -hmm. i think if you recover and you keep your eating disorder confined to the therapy room i think it's a really oh yeah um amazing thing to be able to speak openly about because I think it takes the shame away from yourself and that for me has been really important in my recovery of that actually it's not shameful that I've had an eating disorder it's it's something that I've had and that's not my fault but what is Mm -hmm. in my control is now what I do about it and you know do I just sit here 
and feel sorry for myself or do I go out and recover and allow myself to live my life like that that I feel is a choice that I have Um, yeah absolutely I think you know I know so many people that have gone into eating disorder advocacy post recovery and they're thriving but I also know so many people that have thought you know what it's taken enough of my time and I don't want to talk about it anymore and I'm totally happy to run free 100% yeah I mean I'm still trying to figure like yeah I'm yes I still have issues with issues around food or like about my, my my relationship to food I still have issues with my diabetes or my relationship to my diabetes. I'm still figuring stuff out as a human in this world. Like, just because we're sitting here chatting on a podcast does not mean that we're we're totally hunky dory. Oh hell! No, like there's still there's still things to happen to 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 do. And yeah, I think yeah, I need to recognize and check in with myself every so often. Like, okay, am I kind of giving a bit too of myself to this? cause or whatever but I just kind of mm-hmm. feel right now when I'm in the position I am currently in and with the energy that I currently have I want to I want to use it for, for, for this for, for yeah awareness raising um but if in a couple of years like I want to live go live on a mountain with goats and not talk to anyone and get off my phone so be it yeah yeah um I think just I don't know I think just even I think it's just kind of the quiet power of just even existing like that's yeah. kind of a um uh kind of a, a bit of a um I was going to swear a bit of an F, well you know an F you to to the to, to the disorder you know yeah. kind of like I bet you didn't think I'd be still here well jokes on you yeah. now I listen to podcasts um i always think it's so good you know that we've had this crappy experience that's completely been shit and we're now making a good thing out of it that's how Mm -hmm. i see this podcast is Mm -hmm. i've you know had this shit had a crappy relapse this year Mm. but it's actually made me even more resilient i've learned even more about myself and like you said you know i took some time out from doing the podcast because i was like i'm not think i'm not on a certain chat about this this is like completely taking up my day-to-day life anyway but now Mm. I'm back and I'm really enjoying it and want to carry on but I do know that if I don't want to carry on it's also totally okay Um, yeah and I think like what you were saying there like just existing I think it's just saying to yourself whatever you do is enough whether that's you want to campaign or you want to just you know go live your life like whatever you're doing there it's it's big middle finger up to the eating disorder and I think that's Mm what you need ultimately yeah and I think to come back to what I think was your question 29 hours ago um um about recovery from this as well like yes your diabetes is not going anywhere and that that is really hard um but it doesn't need to be as I say the the, the defining characteristic in, in your life and um, it can be part of your life it's not your entire identity yeah. um and yes I still have I have the relationship I have to food and to, 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 to things, but I think it's just, whereas before, you know, the relationship was at a 10, uh, it's now down to like a, like a four or five or something. And so I think it's just adjusting your own, maybe internal logic and your internal relationship to, to things. Um, and I think, yes, I, I don't, yeah, I don't want to be glib and say recovery is possible, but it is. In what form that takes, I do not know. I can only I can only speak to to, to my own, um, and 
yeah i don't know it's it's um yeah it's it's yeah i don't know kind of lost for words it's 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 it, it's weird and hard because it's it's always there. like your diabetes is always there and um, it's just yeah it's whether it's being your good pal or it's good cop good cop back up i guess um on on particular days and it's how you engage with it um and yeah it as, as you say like resilience comes in, into play and kind of a fortitude in this and a Nope, that's it. Resilience and fortitude. Those are the only words that I can think of. Yeah. No, I think they're really good words. Um, resilience in particular in um, recovery from eating disorder. <laughs> I think, like, you know, that speaks that speaks a lot. Um, I'm going to close us there because it's mm. been an hour, which is mad. Um, I know. <laughs> That is ridiculous. What? Um, and I want to go get some dinner. Um, so mm -hmm. thank you so much. Like it's just it's such a pleasure. I genuinely could speak to you for hours and How hours. How mad is that? That's um, great. Yeah, I absolutely want to make a trip up to Scotland. Um, we can do nice things together. But it's it's been yeah. so lovely to speak to you again, and it's just so nice. I, I, I sh I'm going to do more of these, I think, with people of, like, a couple of years on, seeing how people are doing, because mm -hmm. it's so nice to, you know, hear how how much it means to you that things have moved on so much, and, and the totally. work that you're still doing. And, and even if you weren't doing, still doing the work, like, you know, just to mm -hmm. know that you're doing you're doing okay, and, and yeah. that's, I mean, that's I, enough. I, I'm... I'm... I haven't, to be fully honest, I haven't listened back to my episode since we did it because I'm like, I don't really want, I don't, because I'm now a couple of years on deeper into my thinking on it. Mm -hmm. So maybe like a couple of years back, maybe we just kind of skimmed the surface on things. I'm now like, okay, no, now I, now this is, this is what I'm thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe I have repeated stories. Sorry to your mum if she's listening to this episode as well. Been like, he's nice. Two but years ago, she's not going to remember. A bit repetitive. Oh, no, I think she will. I'm, I'm, I'm very memorable. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, like, but, I guess if stories are still coming to me uh, two years on, that shows that they're important. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I, know, I think it's great to, to just keep checking in and stuff. Let's we could just do the fringe. Let's just do like a live show. Yeah. There we go. That sounds awesome. I'd love to do that. Cool. Right. Well, someone Amazing. someone pay for it, and then we'll do it. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant go, but you mean no. for us to do yes. a podcast there? Oh yeah. yeah, let's do that. That'd be there awesome. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I will let you go and have a nice evening. But thank you so much. It's been not at all so wonderful to chat to you again. And do keep in touch. Will do with everything, not just eating sort of stuff. Keep me updated with wedding plans. Yes, nineteen eighty nine Taylor's version. <laughs> all right, I will speak to you very soon. See you later, sunshine. Thank you, thank you darling. Bye. If you enjoyed listening today, you won't want to miss next week's episode. So be sure to subscribe. Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.